Okay, with John Redlinger, our voice now, 56-minute documentary, play the documentary film festival, really interesting film about youth incarceration and probation situation in Los Angeles County. Uh, lots to tackle here, because I, I was told that this was uh, a short film originally, and then it there's too much information, you can expand into a feature, is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, I mean, it started out the vision for it was was to be a response to uh, a video that the county put out sort of, uh, I guess, I guess it's already out. So I don't have to bite my tongue here. But the county put out kind of like a like a pro video in favor of the current system. And a few of the organizations that we highlight in our film said, you know, we kind of need a response to this because the information that they're putting out is pretty biased and a little harmful. And so we my production team and I were contacted about putting together a pitch for it and the pitch was initially to match the length of that other video which was i think like 12 minutes but it was apparent even on just our first day that the stories of some of these individuals we were speaking to were were you needed needed more time to breathe and needed needed a longer duration so then we were like well can we stretch it to 15 minutes or 17 minutes but it was clear in editorial our first cut was about twice as long as the finished product and even then it was painful to lose because these people were you know, they're from communities that are underrepresented and they're from yeah. communities where they're not, uh, is why we called it Our Voice Now. Even one of the people in the video says, you know, we're speaking with Our Voice Now because they don't they don't get a platform. So yeah. it was important for us to sort of amplify that. Well, they, they like from a political standpoint, because they're, they don't get a platform because they're not voting, they're, they're, they're youth, they don't vote yet, or they're, they're unfortunately have a criminal record, so they don't vote either. So they, nobody gives a shit about them, right? From like, so then- and then you get this you know, organization that it's a 12 minute prop propaganda video, basically. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's also, you know, from a, <laughs> I, I'm a narrative filmmaker primarily. And from a filmmaking yeah. standpoint, it's, it's atrocious. It's like, it's, you know, it looks like someone shot it on a shaky iPhone and about half of it is, is sort of this beatification of this single probation officer. And I'm not saying there's not, good people in the probation department we're not in any way trying to attack the people that work it is one of the hardest jobs i can imagine but the system is bent and the system is not designed for success it's designed ultimately for oppression and so quite i mean when we were approached i didn't know i think most people especially in in los angeles which does have a, a you know, a homelessness problem and a crime problem. And it's gotten scarier since COVID. You hear the word probation and you don't associate it with rehabilitation. You associate it with, well, it's criminal. If someone's on probation, they can too often. Nobody takes the time to understand why these kids were in a position where they had to do something. You know, someone gets caught stealing, they're a criminal. No, what you don't realize is you know, one of their parents is in prison. The other one's working two jobs. They're literally starving. Well, what are you supposed to do? You can't, you can't get a job when you're 15, you can't work. So, you know, you, you go grab food for you and your sibling, you, you skip school, you get busted for truancy. Why? Because you don't have a ride to school and you have to go through a gang neighborhood. That was one of our kids was like, uh, you know, begged, begged. This is before remote learning, but begged, could I take classes? Like, could I, could I do online? Could I do online learning? And they said, no. And they pulled him out of this honors program and he stopped going to school because he was literally, his life was in danger to walk to school. What are you going to do? But nobody sits there and and asks why the problem is happening. So part of like restorative justice and some of the other concepts that we learned about, um, you know, they, they seek to, to change that. And when I say we learned about it, truly I was learning every single day. I didn't know we, we 
pitched the video as kind of a response to this other video. And uh, I sort of tried to do a crash course on the status quo, was obviously appalled, but it wasn't until we started actually speaking to some of the people yeah. on the front lines that it was like, man, I, I, we got a long way to go as a society, but certainly um, me, me as a person, I was like, I, I need to know more. I need to be more involved. And so I think both, both me and my, my DP and co-producer, Sam Schweiker, uh, it was life-changing because it's just, you don't know what you don't know. It's interesting that you, you brought that up because that's what it, the, the, it feels that way when you're watching a documentary is that, especially when you're interviewing these, these, uh, these subjects and we'll, I want to get to how you got them in, the, in a second, but it was like, yeah, you're discovering as you're talking to them. So it's like mm -hmm. you're it's like you're not looking, you're like a lot of people make documentaries and they have this expert opinion, expert point of view. But you can tell when you're watching your documentary that it's like you're just it's kind of a point of view. It's like you're catching the information as as they as 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 the audience is. And it, it kind of it really kind of like it's very effective as a documentary because and you're using these individual stories to tell this macro issue, I guess, right? Which is also very effective too. And it's like anybody who watches your film is like, yeah, there's there's a huge problem. And it's like, and this to finish you off with what you're saying, it's like in the wrap, everybody wants to wrap things up in a little bow, right? Where it's like, it's like, oh, they're a criminal or they're not, you know what I mean? It's like it's, but there's not, it's not that simple, right? And of course, there's an underlying class system problem and there's a racist yeah. problem there's a there's a discrimination there's a racial problem too right so it's, that's, it's that's, horrible that's part of it too you can't you can't shy away from that either right i guess no no quite the opposite and and i think it's only it's only been revealed to be worse i don't know if but most most viewers of this or listen to this you know probably aren't ingrained in la county politics but the it did make national news the the sort of tapes that leaked the city council members and the sort of horrible stuff they were saying about each other and that all comes down to like redrawing the lines for race and class and it's it's as as upsetting as it is it's not surprising because these are problems that if you if you candidly ask most people on the street they're gonna sort of like it's uncomfortable right it's uncomfortable to face these problems but behind closed doors yeah everyone's going to acknowledge it because it's right there in your face and these organizations ahjn and the others that we highlight they're not afraid to call it out they're not mm -hmm. afraid to sort of just stick their stick their finger in the eye of the, the oppressors and and try to make it better i think it's not enough to name the problem you have to go okay well how am i proliferating it and what can i do to change on a small level i mean we again we, we started talking we our first interview day was with the the youths and driving home, I was just sitting there like, man, what, this is just such a mess. It's like, it's like if you, if you walked into a room and it was just like a hoarder had trashed it, where do you even start cleaning? The yeah. problem is so big. I was it's like, a, I don't, analogy, I don't even yeah. know. Yeah. I don't even know where to start. I don't know where to start editing this. I don't know how to start tackling this, but sort of in each conversation we had, it got clearer and clearer and clearer. And one of the most startling things was how similar some of these stories were. People that had never met having an identical story, sometimes 10, 15 years apart. That's how that's how terrible the system has failed these kids. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be, you know, probation is supposed to be, let's give you a chance away from your circumstances to rehabilitate, to learn some skills, To but it's not. It's just it's just basically the school to prison pipeline. It's an extension of that where a kid is labeled a certain way when they're yeah. oh. some of these kids, 12, 13 years old, 
and they're named a certain way. Society looks at them a certain way. And what happens? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so we are, we are not creating runways to success. We're creating runways to, you know, multiple reoffenses and things like that. And the, 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 the biggest takeaway, if someone takes away anything is, is these are not bad people. There are no like inherently bad people that we spoke to quite the opposite. These are generous, loving, caring people. These, yeah. these kids, when they started speaking, they were opening up to us. It was like the first time they had the opportunity to sort of be heard. They were, some of them were so funny and so warm and so immediately like giving with their time and their energy. The problem is not these kids. No, it's not yeah, a single one of them. It's broken. It's a broken system. And it's the, yeah, it, that's, it's, it's, it's an easy thing to say, but it's, there's, there's like, it needs like a, the hoarding analogy is perfect because it's like, it's like, that's the problem, right? Like say you're a politician, you get elected and you, you, you get into this, this, this world. It's like you, there's so many problems. It's like, where do you yeah. start? And then you got to figure out finance, like all the money. And it's like, yeah. then, and then, it, then you're, you're, it's all the, like you said, it's, it's so, it gives you a headache, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the money, money is too, it's too easy to say, well, money would fix it. But the truth is, and, and we sort of cover it towards the end, there was this initiative passed to reallocate a lot of money, a significant amount of money from the probation, from the probation system yeah. to these other programs. And uh, it passed the vote. And then the, at the time, the powers that be allocated literally zero dollars. Yeah. So, you know, they get the, you get the feather in your cap of like, well, we did this thing, but, and it's not like the money's not there. The money just went to probation or the LA County Sheriff's office or these other places that you realize are, you know, we don't, we don't think about, and at least, at least again, local politics is different everywhere, but here you don't, you don't realize that the political machine is not, you, we get caught up on the razzle dazzle of like the house and the Senate and all the stuff, you know, yeah, post 2016 yeah. where, the national politics is so uh, filthy and showy that you don't realize that the local stuff is where is where the big changes it's where are happening. Should, where it gets done, I guess, right? So it's where it gets done. It's what affects most people's lives, and yet most people turn a blind eye to it. So again, even in like sharing this documentary with our families before we had rough edits of it, like, hey, what do you take away from this? Where is it slow? What do you have questions about? Like, the, our families were like, oh my god, is it this bad everywhere? And the truth is, it kind of is. Yeah. I mean, L.A. is not unique. It's it is the same. It's a different system in different cities, but it's it's more or less like we have a youth incarceration problem. Uh, it is an epidemic all over the country. And one of the guys we spoke to, Jabo, who's an, I mean, he's an amazing artist and, and person and, and speaker. And, um, you know, he he in his in one of his like sign offs, he says, like, maybe maybe we can change the system in America, the whole thing. And I remember in the moment recording that thinking like, man, that's kind of bold. That's, I don't know about that. But then you realize like the energy is there. The, the, the people that can make these changes are there and there are solutions, restorative justice, the, the concept of I have harmed you. And rather than letting the political system sort of put me in a cage, chew me up, spit me yeah. out, and you never get anything, by the way. You never get an apology. You never get to see me. Restorative justice goes, no, let's, let's, if, if it's not violent, right? If it's not violent, if there's nothing that is, if there is truly like reparations to be had, we sit down and I go, look, I'm really sorry. Here's the circumstances that led me to harming you. And you say, okay, well, look, here's what's going to make it right for me. And it's mediated 
and then both sides get to heal. And whatever a fair sort of punishment is for me for harming you, we see to that. And it's not just pay a fine or go sit in prison for eight weeks or eight months or yeah. whatever, and then reoffend. It aims to show the offender the consequences of their actions. So hopefully like empathy and, and education can happen. And the person who is offended, it leads to healing for them. It's better for everybody. Yeah. And it seems like, well, that's really complicated. How much more complicated is it to like hold a trial and, and, you know, put a kid on the stand and have a jury of your peers sentence you to something. It's, it's the current system is inefficient. It's inefficient. It's outdated. It's old. And it doesn't serve a population where this stuff is only getting worse. So, yeah. Well, um, let's, let's be honest too, right? Like if they were white private school kids, well, and that's you know, <laughs> like, we had to, I think we they would have fixed the system. You know what I mean? We had to soften uh, some of that in the, in the documentary a little bit, but yeah, I mean, you know, money, money is everything. If you can afford, if your folks can swoop in and afford an attorney at a moment's notice and that attorney can plea down and you just pay a fine. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, and then, you know, you wait till you're 18 and your records expunged and all this and that. Yeah. But then the deeper issue, if you go to court and you're, and you're a white male, I think you have a little bit of a better chance too. Right. So. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Undoubtedly. And uh, that's another, uh, the word optics gets thrown out. Oh, the optics of the situation. It's not optics. It is just straight up racism and yeah. racial bias. And um, that was something we grappled with my producing partner and I going into it, knowing that we were, we were coming from a place of privilege. We are the beneficiaries of society's privilege in that way. And, and trying to be really careful not to, not to take anything for granted, not to say, well, we, you know, we're hearing you, but not like, yeah, we get it. We're with you because quite frankly, we're not our experiences. I mean, I grew up in a little suburb of, of Dallas, Texas, firmly middle-class, never wanted for anything. And the culture shock of even moving to Los Angeles many years ago was, was huge. But then to start to learn about these issues, it's like, it is so these kids childhoods, if you can even call it that is the furthest thing from what I knew growing up. And so it really was important to us to shut up and listen, you know, and then, and then make sure that, what we were sharing was was truthful to them and their experiences and not make it about oh my gosh our eyes are open now it really is like again like the title was so easy for us our voice now it was like we kind of just wanted to get out of the way and and let those stories be told yeah 100 percent. and i and just my my outside because i go to los angeles a lot for festivals and stuff is that my outside opinion of la is that is that it's like we're driving the LA live to like in the downtown Toronto. Oh, yeah, it's like that area, man. One block is like beautiful and pristine. It's like a beautiful like hotel or whatever, or like yep. a jewelry shop, whatever. And then the next block is like homeless people in tents, right? Yeah. And the next it's, block it's, is like it's really weird how like it's like it's not in one designated area, like say New York City, even Toronto, like homelessness. It's like it's like it's it's spread everywhere. And it's like there's richness in like culture in between this. And then in Inglewood. You have the six billion dollar football stadium in Inglewood, right? That's <laughs> so that the taxpayers yeah. paid for six billion dollars. And where's the money going, right? Like it's going to a football stadium. Like I'm a football fan. I'm just pointing it out, right? Like it's like kind of no. Crazy, it's it's right? it's it is absolutely that that is absolutely representative of of this city and cities everywhere. But but LA is unique, and and it, the pandemic did make it worse because I think that the the homelessness crisis got so much worse and uh, 
the, you know, the unhoused community grew in, in ways that is, it's just tragic in neighborhoods that, you know, the, the only reason it's a big deal now is because people that were previously could turn a blind eye to it are now inconvenienced. And so it's like going back to like the, you know, rich white private school exactly. thing we we're talking about. It's like, it's not necessarily a bad thing that people are noticing it. It's a good thing because now things can be done. Thank God Karen Bass won the election for mayor and she's starting a program called, um, I believe it's called SAFE. I, I don't remember what the what it stands for, but it's basically just an initiative to try to get these people off the street and inside to cut down on the mortality rate. And then let's start solving the problems of, of how to get them yeah. long-term, you know, long-term housing and solutions. But it is nuts because if you, you know, if you saw a postcard, if you saw a, a highlight reel of LA, of course, you're going to see the drone shot of SoFi Stadium and you're going to see yeah. Beverly Hills with the straight streets and the palm trees. You're not going to see the real, the real thing, which is yet yeah, you turn the corner and you go, Oh my God, there's, Truly, there's half the a corner, stadium. Right? There's yeah. half a stadium's worth of people here who need help. What if they spent yeah. 5.5 billion you know, <laughs> I, on I know, the stadium? I know, I know. What if what if 500 million dollars went to help these people? It's it's kind of like it, it go you know going back to the hoarding thing. It's like there are so many problems, but you do you look at that mess. You have to start somewhere. You yeah. have something has to be cleaned up first. You have to pick something, and I think that's the problem. Is most people most regular individuals it's not that they are to be blamed for not caring it's that the probation system as pertains to this specific issue has done such an effective job of branding itself and going oh you know these kids they're dangerous they're problems we'll get them out of the way for you you don't have to even think about them yeah that's the problem it's like pull pull the curtain back and see that and that's and that's and and that's what gets people elected too right like it's it's about like safety security if a politician says that in, the, in these organizations, as you say, they then people want that. They want they want to feel safe in their home. They want to feel safe, and yeah. the propaganda is that these people are are going to make them unsafe. I guess right. Right. Correct. As you know, more more policing does not lead to more safety. It no. you know I'm not saying I'm not I'm I've, I've known police. I love police. They keep us safe, but it's more more intervention by the justice system does not lead to a safer society it leads to a larger divide yeah. it leads to uh, the class system worsening the racial divide what what leads to a better society is more empathy and and more understanding and you and i are we have these differences let's find our commonalities let's find a place where we can stand together and learn about each other versus uh well you're scary because you're a different color or yeah. you're scary because society says you have this record one of the one of the individuals we spoke to, and thank God they've changed that you can't be tried uh, as an adult now as a, as a child. But um, you know, one one of them was was a kid, truly a kid. What society would deem as a child, and basically it was like put him in it, put him in a cell, and throw away the key. Tried as an adult, his yeah. lawyer said, you know, who's going to care when you get out? Who's going to care about you? Uh, I mean. You can't make this stuff up. And it's like if it were in a movie with, you know, Spielberg's music and cinematography, you could do a whole movie about any one of these kids lives. But instead, the system just turns a blind eye and goes, well, you know, they're inconvenient to you. We'll just get them out of your way. You don't have to think about it. And so if if, you know, our goal for the documentary, if it does anything at all, is is just to make people a little more curious and go, you know, this is these are real people. I'm going to Google this. I'm going to look up this single organization. And you realize it doesn't take you know, $10,000 donation, you can donate an afternoon, you can donate, 
uh, you know, a couple bucks here and there to, to help the people that are doing the work. And it does go, having seen it, having been with them on the front lines, like it, they need help. They need resources and resources aren't always money. Sometimes it's, it is just time. Sometimes it's, it's by figuring out, is there a, a petition at city council? Do they need signatures? Do they need people to show up in the meeting to show support? It's, it's really little stuff goes a long way because there's just not enough being done period. Yeah, 100%. And I thank you for saying that. And and I just from I just want to before we finish up, I want to make sure that we understand that you guys are really good filmmakers. And, oh, thank and you. you guys really got got some really key interviews from these people. So the question I have just because it, that's what makes like you said, you're watching your film makes a difference because people are affected by it. And but you guys executed a really good film. So that's like that's like 90% that. of the you. battle. So what did you, like, how did you find these interview subjects? And and if you can, like, touch on, like, how you communicated with them, how you got them to come out, like, were they easy to talk to? Like, were they just ready to, like, burst out and tell their story? Or was there any, like, difficulty with that? I'm just curious on that level. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So, I mean, thankfully, the the AHJ and the organization that that primarily brought us on board, and then, you know, we worked with quite a few after that, but they facilitated the first round of student interviews and it was at first, it was like we walked in, we had the gear I had done, you know, I had a stack of both handwritten notes and printed out research and stuff. I thought, you know, oh, this really like have some data points that went out the window immediately because what are you going to do? You're going to look at somebody who's lived this life and go, well, I have this data point about your life. Let me, <laughs> yeah. it, it was like, I, I quickly found that just being a human doing exactly what we're doing right now, sort of like trying to have a basic understanding of the other person, just asking questions and then letting the conversation guide itself. And we didn't have a script supervisor. We didn't have, it was, it was a two person crew it was me and me and my co-producer and DP. Uh, we had a third, a third filmmaker with us, Jack on a few days to help with certain you know, more difficult aspects of the shoot, but keeping it small and keeping it intimate and really just sitting and, and talking. And it was, you know, still pandemic times, but, but asking, you know, permission of like, Hey, let's, can we do this without masks? Can we, can we, you know, let's, yeah. Can I ask you questions if there's anything you're uncomfortable about? Uh, just, just pass, we'll cut it out. No big deal. Sort of explaining the process to them. And then, and then honestly, man, with the exception of maybe one or two, it was, it was a flood of honesty and information and it's also you meet someone and and your first thought is oh yikes they're not very like well spoken how are we going to get this because i'm again from narrative filmmaking you just go oh no try saying the line like this yeah we'll do another take there is no take two with this almost to a person everybody was eager to share their story and and we could have made a whole documentary about about each of these individuals there were a few who was like Rightfully so. They probably didn't trust us to start out. But once they heard the experiences that their peers were having, it was like, no, we want to talk to him. We had we had people lining up wanting to wanting to speak. And then some of the some of the people with the organizations, again, these organizations work together and it's sort of they form like a like a patchwork net of of trying to change this. They were eager to speak at times. At times there was argue, not arguments. There were discussions about like, well, I'm camera shy. I don't want to be the one. So I think internally they had to decide who who was going to sort of be their chosen representative. Okay, gotcha. Um, there was no shortage of willingness to to speak with us, and it was it was truly an embarrassment of riches. And there's probably 
six other ways to to cut the documentary with people that that hit the cutting room floor simply because the points that they were making echo points that we have sure, you don't want to repeat, already in there. Uh, yeah. The one the one thing that we that really is regrettable and I think I think would you know we're all critical of our work, but like would improve the film is we tried. I have I I I didn't put it in because I didn't want it to feel like a hit piece, but I, I had phone calls and emails out to the County and the city trying to get their point of view, trying to get some, an expert, so to speak on their side to weigh in and say, Hey, yeah. I want to give you a chance to respond to this. Iced out. Nothing. Yeah. Tried to get, tried to get footage of one of these, you know, probation classrooms, no footage. Yeah. You know, there, there I'm are not surprised, right? No, I'm not surprised either, but one of our, I, I don't know if it's, in the in the final film but one of one of the people we we spoke to was like probation is like a big gaping black hole it's true money goes in people go in and what comes out somehow people are way worse off you know damaged damaged hurt people come out and uh i really i really kind of and maybe it's just because you know i had a, at the time an elevated opinion of my charisma but i was like i really think i can get one of these people on the record not to like you're busted but i thought that would help it would help lend credence to what we were doing because it would take any sort of bias out of it but um you know it turns out when given a chance to speak on the record uh they're like mice or rats that scurry into well, the they're probably told not to, to right to like by by their pr or whoever whoever's running the show right like it's yeah, like yeah. it's it, it's funny because you think it's like you you think of like a, a probation department or a police department you think pr they don't have pr Oh no! It yeah, is of course a they well do. oiled machine. Yeah. There's a it union is, too, is... right? Yeah, there's unions that. Yeah, take, uh, yeah. it's a big. Yeah. It's... I mean, we were, you know, we were little fish. We weren't about to try to take to take that on. But even even like you can see videos. You can you know if you look up videos online, there's videos of people that are just trying to film outside, like outside these these camps, right? Camps is what they're called. Yeah. Uh, which should should chill anyone who knows anything about history. Why are we calling them camps, right? Cause they're not schools uh, and guards come out and it's like, get out of here. You can't even film here. Why? If it's a public, if, if it's public money financing it, why can't the public see what's going on? But you know, lo and behold, not enough people care, not enough people because what is the goal? The goal is not to fix things. The goal is not to expose things. The goal is to, let's just get this inconvenience out of your way. So you can go get your, you know, your $7 oat milk latte and not have to think about it. The less people who care, the more they can do whatever they want. Well, that's the that's why there's a PR department. That's yeah. exactly what it is, right? It's about yeah, man. it's about it's not it's about distraction. It's about like putting something over there, so then and then putting all the right all the people over there while that's over there, right? So it's yeah. classic. It's just it is what it is. This is a this is a monster, and uh, it is a monster. I know it's a great film. You're scratching the surface, Thank and you. I know you're moving on to other things. But this is like a this is going to be like a series or like an expose. Like you said. I don't want you. I'm sure you're not like Michael Moore, and you're gonna like charge into someone's someone's uh, uh, place. But you know what I mean. It's like there's something that, like you said, like it's like that's the problem. It's like people are not getting the wrong. People are getting are getting are getting um, reprimanded. I guess you can say. And it's like the and it's like there's all these people who are doing all these kind of shady things that nobody knows about, right? So yeah, you work for the government. It's 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 unfortunately one of many many systemic problems but it's if somebody's not willing to hold people accountable or hold feet to the fire then it, nothing's going to ever change yeah. and and i think that that 
it's easy. And even I felt at times making it hopelessness of like, what is the point if you can't change it? But then you see these kids and you see these genius adults that have been penalized by the system and they have come back and said, I'm going to devote my life to fixing this for the next generation. There's no anger or hate or bitterness. There's people who have every reason to stick their middle fingers up and instead they open their arms to embrace and, and have empathy for this system and try to change it. It's, it is so humbling and you realize it feels like a drop in the bucket. It feels like scratching the surface, but if, if people would take the time even to watch, watch the first 10 minutes of the documentary and Google one of the organizations we mentioned, yeah. learn, learn, spend, spend the same amount of time that you would listen to your daily podcast or waste time uh, you know, seeing whatever Black Friday sale is going on, devote five minutes of that. And I guarantee you, I, I've not come across a single person that hasn't been curious and been somewhat changed by this. And it's, we, there are so many distractions and so many issues that it's, it's, it's hard to pick one to care about. And that's what, that's what the system does. It grinds you down because there is so much. Somehow we conflate probation with criminality and homelessness and now we're i mean look at our conversation and i'm not saying it's bad it's good because we're sort of covering the whole net of it but the the stadium and local politics they count on it being so confusing that your head is spinning you go you know what's 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 on netflix like what can i do to like that's exactly it right so yeah um yeah yeah, i mean we we look i i had never I, when I was in high school, we did like little, I guess, exposés about what was going on in the community. But documentary filmmaking is is incredibly difficult. And I, I salute every single documentary I've ever seen and look back and I went, eh, that was kind of boring. I'm like, I had no idea how much how much you shoot, how much you edit, and then trying again to approach it with, with honesty and not sort of put my spin on it um and of course it's our perspective but trying trying so hard to sort of keep it neutral and and grounded in what these people's experiences were it's like a i'm a much bigger fan of of documentary filmmakers i feel like they're rock stars and i want to go (laughs) soak it in and 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 learn more about it and b um yeah i mean we have talked about because things you know things have changed but sadly i mean from when we started to when to now when finally people are seeing it we kind of thought, is it going to be relevant? Have, like, or is this information going to count? The exact same. Nothing's really better. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, we do want to do a follow-up at some point. Um, probably not another feature, but just, you know, reach out to some of the people that we interviewed and say, what's, you know, where are you at now? Six months later, eight months later, um, yeah. what's changed? What can change? And, um, you know, the, technically the Arts for Healing and Justice Network, AHJN, they they're showing the documentary and doing little pop-up events and things, but it's tough. And I mean, you know, because you're in the festival system, you, you submit something and it's months and months and months later when it's shown, we're still sort of debating uh, and, and strategizing the best way to reach the widest audience. But, but seeing, seeing it have some success outside of LA and seeing people like yourself, like interested in it, it's like, wow, okay, there's, there's hope for humanity. People care. People all over the world care. I think the whole world is interested in this because it's like you said, it's everywhere. And it's this, you're just using an analogy. LA is an analogy of, of the broken system. Yeah. All right, man. This is an amazing film. Um, Thank I hope you. that we could talk again. I know you're off to, to do some narrative work, but uh, you're a great, you're a great doc filmmaker. So if you ever want to come Thanks, back. Thanks, man. 
I know it's a, a I know it's a monster, and you you have to pay the rent and everything like that. But you guys did an amazing job. So hopefully we can talk again in your next project. I look forward to it. It's an honor to be featured. Thank you for having us, and thank you for uh, exposing the film to a wider audience. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Shlemiel, Shlemazel, high.